0: KQED.
1: Hey, everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra, And we're the hosts of The, the Cooler. Cooler. It's game over for Game of Thrones. Did the show stick the landing or break both of its legs, fall on its ass, and require medical attention? We've got opinions.
0: Ouch. And on the week of her 71st birthday, we'll be reminding you
2: why a new generation needs to honor an absolute cultural icon, Miss Grace Jones. And Game of Thrones has given us a lot of blessings. But did you know that it also gave us a pop star?
1: I'll tell you who. There's only one way to start this segment. I think you guys know what it is. Hit it. Ding
0: that
2: was was We We rode in, in, exhausted.
1: (laughs) That's the episode. There it
2: is.
1: (laughs) We will never hear that iconic theme song at the beginning of a brand new Game of Thrones episode ever again. We all know parting is such sweet sorrow, but for a lot of people... Parting with such sour sorrow mm? this time. A lot of fans are livid about how David Benioff and DB Wise, those are the creators, if of they Bion are fans.
0: their real names, <laughs> which <laughs> at this point I'd be using a pseudonym. Mm, I'm sure they're in hiding at this point. Witness yeah.
1: protection, mm. flee, please, quickly. <laughs> so they decided to wrap up the series in a kind of special way, and some people are not feeling that. But before we get to our feelings about the last season, I thought it might be nice to rewind back to simpler, happier times. Aww. Obama was in his first term. And this new show called Game of Thrones came out of nowhere. Tell me, what made you guys fall in love with the show in the first place? Like, is there a scene? What was it?
0: I will be honest that I was not on board the Game of Thrones train until Mm -hmm. relatively late. And I just got tired with not being on that train and being excluded from what I would very confidently refer to as the cultural zeitgeist. Oh, yes. But yeah, episode one hooked me right in. And I hear people talking a lot about how episode one isn't great. It is great.
2: I feel like straight away it really grabs you.
1: Twins have sex Mm -hmm. and a little boy gets pushed out of a window. What What else do you you want? want? Jinx.
2: I was in a very specific time in my life when I first saw Game of Thrones, the very first season, I was on maternity leave. So that's how long it's been. I've produced three children during the run (laughs) of this show. Just like three dragons. Mm -hmm. Boom. Yes. I got that. I got that Targaryen energy. Mm -hmm. So I was pregnant on maternity leave and I was like, I'll watch this thing. Everybody's talking about it. Why not? And I was like, what's going on? I was like, first of all, the brown people are like, What?
1: barbaric. Expendable, uh, apparently.
2: D- Danny's getting raped by this guy. Oh, uh, so much rape. She, then there's like fire and there's dragons. Are we in fantasy? Is this, where are we? What time? I'm trying to place. Where are we? So I had a difficult time at first. And then like Carly, I came back around. I watched it one of those like, you got HBO free for like a week kind of deal. Oh, we're doing you better us. hurry up. And so I like, you know, I,
0: yeah, and I would venture that is the way that this show is meant to be consumed, because mm. I think what hasn't helped with the cultural backlash to the final season, apart from it being absolutely terrible, is the fact that we've all had... <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Exactly. Girl. We've all had like seven days in between these episodes to ruminate on just how bad it was. Whereas the experience of watching Game of Thrones before, for me, certainly with the previous seasons, was just like, yum 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 yum, like mm-hmm. a little Game of Thrones <laughs> Pac-Man. Yeah.
1: Longtime listeners of this show might remember that I think it was the first two years of this podcast where you guys would get on a Game of Thrones. Tangent, if you will. Tear. Mm. I recall. I recall. And I would just sit back, put my feet up, (laughs) drink a nice cold (laughs) beverage, check my emails because I was a very late adopter. All I knew was Lisa Bonet's hot husband was in it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Lily Allen's pothead brother was Mm -hmm. in it. Hey, Theon. R.I.P. Hi. And that was pretty much it. And then I watched six seasons in 13 days, which turned me into a fanatic, but also turned me into a sociopath. Mm -hmm. Because all that horse decapitation does something to a person. But then there was a twist for me. And it was episode nine, season one, (gasps) where they had you thinking, oh, the protagonist of this show Mm -hmm. is Ned Stark the dad. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And then it's like, oops, there goes his head all over the floor. (sighs) Oh, my. And I was like, "Okay, you guys are subverting my expectations at every single turn with Bram being pushed out of the window, mm-hmm. episode one, that was the one. And then episode nine, that happened later on, Red Wedding. Hello? Mm hmm subverting.
2: I'm with you, Emmanuel. Like when they killed Ned, I was like, oh, anybody can get it. That's when I was like, this show just got exciting. Anybody can get it. Nobody is safe. I can't lie. I was kind of addicted to just like the destruction of it all. Like Mm -hmm. anybody, the violence was appealing to (laughs) Mm -hmm. me. When Danny rode up into the tent with all the calls. Oh yeah. And they started talking about what they were going to do to her now that her husband was dead. They asked if she thought they were going to serve her. And she was like, "Mm, no honey, you're not going to serve. You're going to die. Boop push the fire down. She was like, you forgot that I am fireproof. I'll be good. Enjoy. Dracarys.
1: So for me, we already discussed Red Wedding. You can't hold anyone precious because they're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And so all these people are getting like their throats slit, like pregnant women going down. And most people clutch their pearls over that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I was gasping over if Rob's dire wolf doesn't make it out of this, oh. I'm going to be in my feelings. For me, the animals of this show are dear to mm. my heart. So the dragons, dire wolves, all of them. And I was listening to this podcast called 20,000 Hertz, and they had the sound designer Paula Fairfield on, who worked on the show and had to create what these mythical creatures sound like. Oh. And she used the sounds of endangered species, her own dogs' barks and growls, mm. and this sound that you might not expect. One of the funniest things I pulled was, I call it the unremorseful bear fart. It's like in this recording, this bear farts and like enjoys it thoroughly afterwards. There is no remorse, you know what I mean, and it's like a funny moment, a funny way of thinking about it because it's absolute pure emotion.
2: They're beautiful, aren't they? Oh, um, that is an unexpected
1: source. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe without that bear fart, I would not have almost cried when Drogon was nudging his dead mommy to yeah. wake up.
2: Yeah, Spoiler alert. Well. I mean, if they haven't caught up by now. Too bad. You know, when I was thinking about this show and I was preparing for it, I realized that, like, my favorite moment throughout the entire series was this one right here. You see, I'd never seen the
1: poison work before. tell Cersei, I wanted to know it was me.
2: Oh, I want her to know it was me. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you don't know, that was Lady Elena Highgarden grandma confessing <laughs> <laughs> that she killed that horrible son of his, Joffrey. Who deserved to die, by the way. That was a death. I didn't I didn't look away. And if you watched that episode, then you know when you saw Jamie walk out of the room, it was quiet and there was a little whisper. And if you listen closely, you can hear This. I won't deny you I'm a straight
1: rider. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god.
2: (laughs) Give Lady Olena her props. Easter egg. If that wasn't a G move (laughs) You thought Tupac wasn't in the episode, but he was. G move. She is that bitch. Yes. Yes.
0: I have been casting my mind back so much through my favorite scenes. You know me. You know, I love this show called Deadwood. I go on about it constantly. There's an actor in Deadwood called Ian McShane who turned up in one episode of Game of Thrones. But that was enough for me. He had a cameo as a kind of cultish leader, like a benevolent cult of like folksy people mm. who are living out in this beautiful valley. And he was called Brother Ray. And the Hound encounters him. And they have several meaningful conversations. And then the hound goes away, comes back and finds the whole hippie commune decimated and Brother Ray's body hanging. He's Mm. been ritually executed as an example. That's my favourite moment. That is my favourite moment. (laughs) That is. And that's why I'm really disappointed. And how this is all shaken out. We've got a shitty action movie. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, you said it. Let's go away from the positive (laughs) and to the negative. We need no such encouragement. (sighs) transition. I want to know how you guys feel about the last season. And if you didn't like it, what was the straw that broke you? Mm.
2: Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not like some people who are like the entire season was rubbish. Can I say that, Carly? You absolutely can. can. I, I I love that you do. What I think is that it felt rushed. Yes. I feel like there weren't enough episodes. I feel like it was senioritis. They left a water bottle. They left a Starbucks cup. I see Jamie's hand. It appears the gold oh, yeah. is gone. Like I just lost. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they were just ready to wrap it up and they wrapped it up too quickly. I could buy that Daenerys would burn the whole city with drugs. I can buy it. But you needed to make me believe it before right. we got there. Jamidra, I could not agree with you more 100%. I have no
0: problems with the plot points that they touched on. I just wanted like two more seasons to develop them. I didn't want the Night King to be defeated in one quite long episode. Mm-hmm. I didn't want Daenerys to go mad in the course of one episode. Yeah. Stretch those across a lot of episodes and suddenly I am in and also get better writers.
2: Within this series, we've seen people play the long game and then die. Like when Lord Baelish got his, I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when Ramsay Bolton got his, I was like, oh. mm-hmm. because he earned that. I was like, right. let me when Daenerys got got knifed when he shanked her. I was like, no, we haven't earned this. It was a common prison shanking. Yeah, she mm, deserved
1: more. Yeah. Well, apparently behind the scenes tea. Is HBO wanted to give them several seasons. I heard this. They wanted to give them more episodes. And David Benioff and D.B. Weiss wanted to move on to their other projects, including the Star Wars trilogy mm-hmm. that's coming. I knew it. And I it. that ill advised, hellish Confederate series, <gasps> which is still happening by the way. How? And the whole premise is what if the Union didn't win the Civil War? And, like, the last people who should be making a show about race are these people. And if you think otherwise, tell that to Missendei, Severed Head, and all the dead to Okay? Rough stuff. It's an unforced error this whole season. And it's a shame because so much of it was great beforehand. Like you guys, the moment where it's like, surprise, Danny was Mussolini all along. It's hard for me to take. And some people on Twitter who are down with it are saying, like, well, she crucified slave traders, so we should have seen this coming. No, it's very different to snuff out human rights abusers, mm-hmm. and it's way different than torching babies in the street.
2: Also, where'd she get the full black-on-leather ensemble? She wasn't wearing nothing like that before. I was wondering Suddenly, that. Suddenly, she's got a full Rhythm Nation fit on, and who's braiding her hair now that Masande's not there? Right? I just had so many questions. Right. Okay.
1: Because her hair would have been
2: would have been a mess. It looked good. <laughs> it looked
1: too good. It also made me think of, and maybe this is because a lot of my Twitter thread and just my thoughts in general are around the 2020 election already. God help me. This whole idea of, like, she's not likable enough. She's Mm -hmm. not electable. Do you want to have a beer with Danny? No. You want to Uh. have a beer with Jon Snow? If I thought the creators were doing this as a critique of how we treat powerful women, I would be like, all right, I see what you're doing. But we all know that they're not trying to shine a light on gender discrimination. They're not that smart. They actually adhere to this way of thinking, and they just made— Millions of people watch it play out again and have that warp them and their worldview. So now it's like, oh yeah, it's like Danny, like she's out of control, she's crazy. Or Sansa is not relatable because she doesn't show emotion. Uh Winter came and all I got was this Uh deep well of disappointment.
2: And it didn't even look that cold. And all I got was this (laughs) t-shirt. So I know some people feel like Cersei's death was good. I feel like. Random rocks? Taken uh, out yeah. by random I, rocks. Taken out by infrastructure? Like, uh, I feel like somebody deserved that one. Somebody deserved that one. Also, where was Arya's many face right. training in this season? If you're going to put it on your LinkedIn that you can wear many faces, <laughs> I need you, you better to show
0: through. up on day one with many faces. I need you to come through. Not just yeah. like one during Walder Frey's execution. exactly.
1: <laughs> it should have been that scene that we saw with Jamie and Cersei finding each other again and I, hugging her. But then, whoop. Cut you. I'm actually Arya. That You're would have out. been That's amazing.
2: Where That's where I thought we were gonna go. I thought when he saw her in the in the little war room, I was like, okay, this is the moment. Oh. They're gonna meet. He's gonna think he's gonna get to her, but guess who's gonna get there first? Well, mm-hmm.
0: talking of paths less taken, I'm super annoyed at myself because I genuinely thought that they'd turned it around. In those final 15 minutes where it was revealed that Jon Snow, spoiler alert, is gonna be exiled to the night's watch once more. He's basically back where he started. Right. Which is it's terrible. It's condemning him to a living death. He's not allowed to have family. He's not allowed to take lovers. He has to sit on this cold-ass wall mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. That, to me, harks back to the old feeling of Game of Thrones, which was basically all about cruelty and sadism. Unpopular point. That's why we loved the show. Dimitri. you said it earlier. You loved the violence of the show. Mm-hmm. This is why I loved it too. And every time it was just nasty, I cheered and I clapped. And I loved it that something bad was happening to a good person for doing the right thing because that keeps happening throughout all of Game of Thrones like the Red Wedding it's the worst all of these terrible horrible cruel things happen to really good people throughout the season and I was like yes they finally got it right in the final episode a good man is having the worst
1: happen to him and
0: then they had this whole fake out he was having a meet cute again with Tormund Mm -hmm. and
1: Ghost On the topic of horrible things happening to good people, reducing Brienne to some (sighs) dickmatized woman who has a silly crush and she ends up spending her days being the editor of the Wikipedia page for (laughs) Jamie Lannister. Like, you can tell that there hasn't been a woman in the writer's room since season three. That is a true fact. And it shows. And can we just talk about Tyrion and his TED talk? about how the best story should win. So I'm thinking, okay, Arya trained with assassins, exactly. went blind, went uh-huh. faceless. That too. She killed the Night King with no backup. Mm-hmm. She had sex with Gendry once, uh-huh. and that same night he was on bended knee proposing and she was like, nah. That's the best story to me. Uh-huh. Sansa has a better story. Literally everyone, Ghost has a better story Ghost than Bran. This is how much you don't want a woman ruling. Uh-huh. You need Bran? Medio command, doing the and, least. But then it, and he fell back on those old rules, right? Because he's like the
2: son. He's like right. the only mm. son who's left from one of these great houses. And now he's in command, which is crazy. I saw a meme that I think summed it up. And it was like a photo of Bran in the chair with the side eye that he always gives. And it was like, when well, you don't participate in the group project, but you still still get right. Yes. That is Bran.
1: Choices. <laughs> All of that said, this episode did give us at least one good moment. Let's listen.
2: I Einstein before you,
0: As one of the senior lords in the country, I like to think my experience has led to some small skill in statecraft and understand.
1: Please sit. That, Mm. my friends, is a masterclass in how you shut down an (laughs) overconfident, mediocre white man. She was like, Uncle. Where do you think you are? Take several seats. All I just, of them. I need hear a
2: clap while she's... <laughs> uh,
0: can I just controversially disagree with that? I hated that moment. Why? That to me felt like writing to Twitter that a whole bunch of people are just going to be like, yeah, she did that. But and we I...
1: deserve it. We deserve <sighs> matriarchy now.
0: I am also biased because I love the actor that plays Edmure Tully, a guy called Tobias Menzies. Me too. He is so talented. And I wanted to hear more of him genuinely when he stood up and I was like, yes, finally we get a good speech. And then she told him to sit down. You I was were like,
1: the only no. one who was thinking <laughs> the, more from this man, who I don't know one. at all.
0: I just feel like we don't let white middle-aged men speak enough, guys. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> yeah. So we could talk about this for hours, but we're not going to. Let's just say the purpose of art is not to always make us feel comfortable. It's supposed to shake us up and make us feel certain types of ways, mm-hmm. sometimes feelings we would rather not experience. Whether down the line we decide Game of Thrones is a great show or a bad show, it's kind of beside the point. Fact is for 8 years we all collectively experienced and discussed art in a kind of meaningful way. Uh-huh. And in my book that's a win. Yes. Ew, I'm starting to sound like Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> guys, stories, 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 hey guys. Stories. <laughs> I mean, I guess you either die a hero or you live long enough to sound like the most annoying character on game of thrones. <laughs>
0: the month of May, traditionally what I would call a bumper harvest for celebrity birthdays. The Rock is May 2nd. Mr. T is May 21st. Am I losing you here by mm, your faces? Mm. I know these people. I know all of them. <laughs> How about Cher? Yes. May yeah. 20th. But another lady who deserves a whole month of celebrating turned 71 last oh. week. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Grace Jones.
1: Mm.
2: I love Grace Jones. Right? I feel like I was exposed to her at an age when I wasn't supposed to be exposed to her. (laughs) But I like. And then she was in Boomerang. So if you've ever seen Boomerang, then you know Stranger. Oh. Mm. Well, she spanned the
0: genres. That's well you know. Emmanuel, what are your feelings about Grace Jones?
1: Androgynous, performance, art, music icon. David Bowie wishes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly 100% she needs far more shine than she already gets oh my god I would say I just thought about her and Iman as a
2: couple when you said <gasps> that oh,
0: the Jamaican-Somali crossover we need yeah, in yeah. our lives so Grace Jones most people know of her big hits like Pull Up to the Bumper that we just heard or Slave to the Rhythm you guys know mm-hmm. that one and you may have also seen footage of her in March in a gold bodysuit and cowboy boots age 70 dancing on the catwalk for the Tommy Hilfiger and SenDaya show. She's
2: still performing. She was at AfroPunk a couple like I think last year the oh, year before with and an I was like incredible performance. Uh, yes.
1: I know you said she's 71, but something I know about her is that she says, "I don't keep track of time. I might be 4 years younger than I am. I don't know my age." She could also be 10 years
0: older than she is. Right. I mean, if you have Googled Grace Jones recently and taken a look at those legs, my God. Mm. So I thought that for those who aren't super familiar with the woman, the myth, the legend, Grace Jones, musician, supermodel, actress, all round badass, it was a time for a quick reminder of why she's so iconic with actually some life tips from Grace Jones along the way. Buckle up, people. That's the life coach I need in my Mm life. So for those of us who don't know her story, let's start with a very quick stroll through the life and times of Grace Jones. She was born in Jamaica in the 40s. And then she started as a model. She moved to America. And then she moved to Paris in 1970. Her fellow supermodel roommates while she was on the fashion scene were Jerry Hall and Jessica Lange. Wow. Right. So she is living the life. This on is the
2: real supermodel era.
1: For
0: real. It's the time that you kind of want to go back to and dabble Not in. Not your Instagram, girls. Right. The fashion, the art, the scene, it's incredible. So she samples everything in the 70s and the 80s, first Paris and then New York. This leads us to Grace Jones' life tip number one. Try Absolutely everything. (laughs) She is out there. She collaborated with Andy Warhol. She parted at Studio Fifty Four. She was painted, like literally painted on her body by Keith Haring. She was photographed by Robert Maplethorpe. And it's easy to be like, oh, she hung out with all these dudes. But I like to think they got to hang out with her. Exactly, Mm -hmm. that is true. That's how this works. Also, she was a pioneer of psychedelics as self care. I know that's kind of an idea that's gaining increasing traction, particularly here in the Bay Area. But she was praising her early use of LSD as a very important part of my emotional growth. The mental exercise was good for me.
1: So Michael Pollan is stealing her mojo. Right. Because he has a <laughs> new book
0: all about that. And do you hear him say the name Grace Jones? No, you don't. Give her mm-hmm. her roses, mm-hmm. please. So she starts recording music, first in the disco scene. And then she moves into New Wave. And then she gets really big in 1981 with this album called Nightclubbing. And then she's like, eh. I'm bored, I'm gonna become a movie star. She plays badasses in notable masterpieces like Conan the Destroyer. Wow. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> she plays a Bond villain in A View to a Kill, which isn't a great Bond movie, but who
2: cares? I, how did I miss that? I don't really want I'm not into the Bond franchise. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it, that movie is terribly not missing. I might,
1: oh, well. She almost was in Blade Runner. What? Yes. And she didn't even read the script because she decided it's too commercial and it's too many steps away from art. <gasps> mm-hmm. And then now she says, having read the script and seen the movie, she's like, I kind of wish I did it. <laughs> but, you know, you can't have regrets.
0: I didn't know that. And all the while she's playing with her own image. Like you've seen how Grace Jones styled herself. And that leads to tip number two. Accept no binaries mm-hmm. in the world of style personal appearance and personal identity. She was always playing with gender, with fluidity, and she presented in so many ways. And she wasn't here for the binary, as she explains on this interview clip with an Australian TV show in 1985.
2: Are you feminine. Do you like being masculine?
0: I I, I like uh, being both, actually. Uh, I mean, I'm a lot... It's not being masculine, it's a, it's an attitude, really. What
2: Being masculine, what is that? I mean, can you tell me what is being masculine? And I mean, I think that uh, I just act the way I feel. I was going to say king, queen, but you know what? Just royalty. Just mm-hmm. everything no, at, royalty. at the same time.
0: And one thing I should note here is that one big influence behind her style was this French guy, a photographer and designer called Jean-Paul Goude. And they actually had a relationship. They got married. They had kids. He is kind of problematic in how he fetishized her. And you see that very clearly in how he photographed her and her blackness. It will not surprise you to learn that Jean-Paul Gould is also the guy behind Kim Kardashian's Break the Internet paper magazine shoot Mm. in 2014. He was behind that. And after they split up, which they did, this guy confessed that he was more interested in the virtual character than the real woman. I still am. So that's him basically being like...
2: Wait a minute, that's your ex-husband?
0: Yeah. Wow. But the good thing is, guys, she left him because she realized that, and I quote, I was an object always. So that leads me to Grace Jones' life tip number three. Do not let anyone else ultimately define you. Mm -hmm. She kicked him to the curb. She's good. And she's still, by all accounts from interviews, seeing a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) So why does Grace Jones matter today? I'm so Glad you asked, <laughs> right? <laughs> she has these amazing cover versions, which I really love. Like Love on Rose, she covered that.
2: Nightclubbing—the first time I heard that is when I heard Lady Gaga sing it in *A Star Is Born*.
1: There would be no Lady Gaga without Grace Jones. See. Just oh, saying, we away. are gonna
0: get there because mm-hmm. that is the solid gold truth. So she does these amazing covers and. A lot of people, you know, dismiss cover versions. They say that there's no artistry to them. But I was thinking really, like, deeply about this, and I think that someone who is very good at doing cover versions, this is kind of symbolic of her ability to take these existing conventions and totally rewrite them. So she struts into the world of Parisian high fashion as a dark-skinned black woman in the '70s and gets all the gigs, Yves Saint Laurent and beyond. And in the 80s, there's this trend for like so-called, you know, Amazonian women, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I know that that term is difficult in itself, but she took it one step further. She's like, oh, you like this? I'm going to actually present as a man on my album cover for nightclubbing. And then she takes on another 1980s Sacred Cow, which is the action movie, and inserts herself into that too and destroys it. She can do anything, clearly. So Grace Jones' life tip 3B, be (laughs) really sure (laughs) not to let anyone else define you and emmanuel as you say her influence on pop is unparalleled lady gaga Nicki minaj rihanna like people cite madonna as their overriding influence but they don't acknowledge that madonna was taking it from grace jones mm. like lady gaga has this album called art pop lady gaga did not invent art pop grace jones was doing so-called art pop decades earlier and she was eternal because she was never trendy she gave this quote to italian vogue in which she said I'm not fashion, I'm style.
2: Mm. And
0: if you don't want that on a T-shirt, then you have no soul. Did you guys know that she refuses point blank to collaborate with Lady Gaga?
1: Whoa, (laughs) really? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. She's had repeated requests from Lady Gaga, uh, but Grace Jones said in 2010, "I don't collaborate. You're born alone, you die alone, you get on stage alone." Through. And this is the best bit. Lady Gaga isn't going to do anything for me. It'll do everything for her. Whoa. I'm not here to validate anyone. Validate yourself.
2: What did Drake say? Know yourself, know your worth, boo. Like, she knows herself, she
1: knows her worth. Oh, wow. Facts are facts.
0: Mm -hmm. Grace Jones' life tip number four, related to number three. Do not let others use you for their own ends. Wow. Just don't do it. That's a
1: great life lesson. Mm -hmm.
0: So beyond her amazing work, her legacy this woman would be iconic enough for her incredible interview style. She gained this reputation in the 80s for being like intimidating and aggressive in interviews. But really, I was watching a lot of these interviews today and that's way more about these male interviewers that don't get that she's really funny and really smart and they have no idea how to speak to her. There's this really famous 1980 interview with a British guy called Russell Harty in which Grace Jones, sick of his condescension also gets tired of the fact that he keeps turning his back on her to talk to the other interviews and this is what happens
2: are you wearing
1: perfumant? No, 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 I, I lead, very seldom right? do no, wear perfumant. No, 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 no. you turn your back
0: no, 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 to me oh, well, one I've got, a, minute. I, have I, mean, got, I mean, really. I have got this to talk to this. This has been going on too long already. Well, it's not,
1: it's only going to go on in about another six minutes, and you're going to have another little part of it soon. That's... But let, well, let, maybe I should go right ex- now No, don't, don't go right now unless you really want to.
2: Well, don't turn no, your no, back on me anymore. I can't I can't look at you. Ah. Now, hold, hold, hold.
1: Uh, what is happening
0: that is the sound of grace jones hitting the guy who is interviewing her on bbc television oh and if you watch the whole interview you'll be cheering her on because he kind of deserved it (laughs) but all these dudes don't get how good she can be in interviews one person who did get that joan rivers of course so 1984 joan rivers invites grace jones on the tonight show and invites her to tell this very funny story about a particularly outrageous costume she
2: wore. I think uh, I wore nothing to a party once. That was my wildest costume. Was it summer? Uh, Yeah, it was, and I was in Paris. And I only
0: wore teeth around my neck, you know, bones from, from an animal
2: and And nothing it was great did you did (laughs) you
1: yes wow
2: I want to live like that she's a gem
1: she has basically been living like Rihanna's currently living right for decades yeah
0: we are glimpsing into Rihanna's future right here but you see the difference between how she is with Joan Rivers and this with this other BBC Mm -hmm. guy Grace Jones tip number five for life it's not your job to explain yourself to idiots if they don't
1: get
2: you screw them
1: that part Lesson 5B, wear bones around your neck if you want to.
2: (laughs) And have hot dudes reveal you in a cave. And nothing else, mind you.
0: (laughs) Guys, I could talk about Grace Jones all day, but the good news is she's still going. She's still performing. She just released a self-made documentary about her life last year that took 12 years to make. Okay, watching it. This lady takes her time over good stuff. And I want to leave you with this about Grace Jones. Her 2015 memoir was entitled, I'll Never Write My Memoirs. Wow. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) It's actually a lyric from one of her songs. And when she was asked about this in an interview, why she'd called it this, she said with this big smile, I'm allowed to change my mind, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is the playfulness and the talent that I love about Grace Jones so much. And it's exactly what all of those male interviewers did not get, is that this woman is whip smart and super funny. And even when she was provoking you, she was doing it with a smile, even when you couldn't see it. Which leads me to the final... And sixth, Grace Jones' life tip, take your work seriously,
2: but never yourself. Grace, if you're listening, please come on the cooler. In school less in person, yeah?
1: She has so much to teach us. This is just the beginning. Pull up to our bumper. Please. It's the peak and the pick.
2: Hey! The peak and the pick. Hey! All right, we've all been to a graduation or two, have we not?
1: Yes, while Enrique Iglesias hero plays mm-hmm. that was my eighth grade graduation
0: wow oh. I will say that you Americans are way more into graduations than we are we get one for college and even then it's not a big deal <laughs> I think I heard I believe I can fly a little too many
2: times Uh-oh. so that was that <laughs> you have songs played in mm-hmm. so it was that and then Diana Ross I'm coming out was played for my promotion from middle school to high school yeah. War, oh, and I strutted gosh. in an in a, in a androgynous pantsuit hey. and <laughs> I add a black and white one Carly I'll tell you the American tradition okay, is you okay. go out you may get like a flower lay maybe a bouquet or something like that maybe a bracelet gemstone if you will and then you get taken out to dinner okay that's about the that's best it. gift that you get. maybe okay, a watch okay. bracelet something if you graduated from morehouse college this week you got something a lot better than that something that every class before you and every class after you is gonna hate you for oh and that's because this year's commencement speaker robert f smith billionaire robert f smith let me correct myself mm-hmm. decided that he during his speech would do this.
0: This is a challenge to you, alumni. This is my class, 2019. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans.
2: Did you catch that? Oh, I caught it. Did you catch that? Because it took a moment. If you watch the video, the folks in the background, it took a moment before it to sink in. I was going to say, you can hear them being like, hey, hey. (laughs) It took a moment. So what this man just said is he is going to eliminate everyone in the audience who's graduating that year, their student loan debt. That's bonkers. is $40 million for approximately 400 students. That means all that time that you were in school, struggling to pay loans, trying to figure out how you were going to pay for them after you graduated from college, gone. He got your back.
1: Poof. Wow. Poof. There was someone on Twitter who went to Morehouse and took a step away because he didn't want to take on all that debt, and he's like, "I should have just stayed in school." Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> this is when you email
2: him and you're like, "Hey, can I get a? Uh, you think you could float me?" Less? Yeah, exactly. I was About that. <laughs> technically, I was supposed to be part of that class, but like he said in the beginning of his speech, he said, "This is a challenge to the alumni." And I think it's beyond the alumni. This is a challenge to all you billionaires out there. We keep talking about equality and we keep talking about how the divide between the rich and poor is growing. If you want to do something, do something like this. Go pay for someone's education. Do something meaningful.
1: It's also a challenge to the people who write the laws in this country. Mm -hmm. Why is this even an issue for everyone trying to just be educated? Exactly. So yes to the billionaires, but also let's dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Come on, Elizabeth Warren, fix it. (laughs) What's your plan? She has one. Yeah, of course course she does. Now, on to the pit of the week. I thought long and
2: hard about all the things that are happening in this world. Oh, don't do that. You know, I thought about things happening around legislation that I won't be specific about at this moment. But it was pretty gutting. And I thought about all the things that I could talk about on the show today. And then I was like, well... Game of Thrones. I want to stay in my happy place, <laughs> and so I circle back. As much as I disliked the season and all the issues that I took with it, it did bring me some joy every Sunday night, which is usually the hardest day of the week mm, to get motivated for. I like this approach yes, yeah. because you got to get it ready for work. Uh-huh. You know, you're thinking about the whole week. You're like, you know, people are planning their escapes.
1: Sunday scaries. Sunday
2: scaries. So yeah, people get people get anxiety on Sundays. Some they people do. do. It's a lot. And so, Game of Thrones was my happy place, and I feel really bad for the people in China. So, in case you don't know, our dear president. Is still in the midst of a trade war with China. And that's mm. affecting all kinds of things uh, tariffs on goods, prices are gonna go up for us, the people in China are affected. And one very sad way that they were affected this weekend is due to all of this kerfuffle, a lot of them lost access to the streaming service that provides Game
1: of Thrones. Oh Time. no!
2: So they weren't able to watch the finale. So when you think about how ungrateful you've been, all of us have been about this yep. season.
1: It's too dark. It's
2: too dark. I hated the finale. Why is Brand king? Just know that at least you know
1: what happened before somebody got a chance <laughs> Hold to score for you. Your pit is dragging us right now. <laughs> you know,
2: that's what I'm hearing loud and clear. Direct
1: quotes from segment one. <laughs> wow.
2: So pit of the week to this trade war because people deserve to watch Game of Thrones, among other things. But I'm choosing to focus on Game of Thrones. We're because, talking basic human yeah, rights. Here. Exactly. Yeah. And now for my song of the week. Once again, it's Game of Thrones related. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> We all have our favorite characters. Some of us love Sansa. No, going one. Yeah, I uh, love Danny, John sure. Snow. not anymore. Eh. Yeah, well, we all had our people. But there was one couple, one romance that I think took us all by surprise. And that was Grey Worm and Missandei. Mm. Given the logistical challenges? Mm, that was There had to be love. Yeah. There had to be love. Right? She, she overcame.
1: There are other mm. things you can do for her. Mm. Let's just say that.
2: Ow. Is that a general <laughs>
0: reminder to the male population? of <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Thanks. Appreciate
1: it.
2: <laughs> so after we lost Miss a few episodes ago, it warmed my heart when a video of them surfaced on Instagram, singing and dancing to this song. High, I want to
1: think I to think of if, if the game
2: is over. So if you don't know, that is Ghost Town DJs. Oh, yes. My boo. It is a summer classic. Wow. Yes. And the two of them sang together and it warmed my heart because we lost Masande. I was feeling sad, but that was a uplifting moment in all the brouhaha. And I was going to choose that as my song of the week because why not? Plot twist? Plot twist. Until I went online and discovered Grey Worm, a.k.a. Jacob Basil Anderson, a.k.a. Raleigh Richie, is actually a musician of his own. Work. Work. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? He's got an album called You're a Man now. And I just felt like we needed to be introduced to a new pop star. So his music is a little mellow. So we're going to ride out on this song called Time in a Tree. It's a great am like you've never heard him before. Be swimming against the current. I'm all wrong. Can you show me a war? honesty, I'm a bummer I'm on it. I get it. I've got it. I want to be 10 against me and Sonic. can nobody telling me I should be more than I am. Back
1: when I had plan Thanks to David Marcus, Susie Racho, and Ashley and Craig Bond.
0: All original music is by Carolyn Pennypacker Ritz.
1: If you miss us, find us on social media. I'm at Excuse My Beauty. I'm at Teacup in the Bay, and I'm at Jamitra Bye. Bye!
2: I've seen things that I never should have seen. Said too many things.